It is Locked On Jazz for the, what is it today? It is the 8th of December. The Utah Jazz lost all three last year to the Minnesota Timberwolves, but why is not that with Carl Anthony Towns on the floor, the Jazz can't defend because Rudy Gobert's out of the middle? That is not true. We will discuss that and why it is not true. Plus, we will think about just big picture jazz and power ranking human versus machine. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen every single day. And again, we are free and available on all platforms. Right there is a subscribe button on YouTube. You push that button, you subscribe, you get notified. Whenever we do the show and you hit the little bell button, you get notified even more. Uh, special hello to the crew that has woken up early this morning, as I'm a little earlier than usual. Good morning to Ray and Yorgis from Greece and to TJ and to Taylor and to Derek, good morning to everyone who's the first on the show on this Wednesday edition from balmy 8-degree Minneapolis, Minnesota in my hotel room. Philadelphia tomorrow, back-to-back, brutal. Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid, back-to-back nights. So the narrative is the Jazz lost three times to the Minnesota Timberwolves last year because Carl Anthony Towns stretches out the floor and the Jazz can't handle it. And then all of the Jazz strengths goes away. This is really not true at all. Like, let's walk through it. So last year, Minnesota's offensive rating was a 110. Okay? In their first game against the Jazz, it was a 113. All right, so they were a little better than their average. Now... They also were at full strength, and they weren't at full strength for most of the year, and I think they would have been at full strength at 113. In their second matchup with the Jazz, they are a 102. In their third matchup with the Jazz, they're a 108. So what really happened last year is that the Utah Jazz could not take advantage of the Minnesota Timberwolves' porous defense, which allowed a 115, and the Jazz were an offensive rating of 109, 97, and 107. So when you're in the office today, if you're still doing that, or you're talking to a Jazz fan today, and you bring up the game tonight, and they suddenly say, yeah, we really can't guard Carl Anthony Towns. They think they're really smart, and they say, we really can't guard because Carl Anthony Towns goes to the outside tell them to listen to Locked On Jazz so that they actually know the truth. Or just smirk and know that they just revealed themselves 
for not really knowing as much as they claim. So here are some data points. When Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns were on the floor together in the last game, last year, excuse me, in the three games last year, one, the Timberwolves, uh, Carl Anthony Towns shot 39% from the field with Gobert on the floor last year and 33% from three. When he was off the floor, he shot 50%, attacked the basket. Amazingly, in 21 minutes with Gobert on the floor, he took nine shots. With 13 minutes on the floor with Gobert off the floor, Towns took eight. So in other words, Towns just went hogwile while Gobert was off the floor last year in the time. And in fact, if you look at the advanced metrics on this, when Towns was on the floor with Rudy on the floor, the Jazz just had a heart. The Jazz didn't score. Their offensive rating was a 99. Their defensive rating was a 101.5, which is really good. And they were outscored by two per 100 possessions. When Gobert went off the floor, the Jazz really didn't score. They were at an 84 offensive rating. Their defense was actually better, and but they were a minus 15. Carl Anthony Towns, when Rudy Gobert was the closest defender last year, shot 8 of 19 from the field. When Derek Favors was the closest defender, he shot 12 of 24. Now consider this for a second. He somehow took more shots last year when guarded by Derek Favors than when guarded by Rudy Gobert. Think of the time difference that he had on the floor against one versus the other. Kind of crazy. The Jazz had Boyan guard Donovan, or have Carl Anthony Towns guard Carl Anthony Towns a lot last year, and Towns went one for five. The truth is, the ball bounced a little funny against Minnesota last year, and D'Angelo Russell was really a problem. D'Angelo Russell, when guarded by Mike Conley last year, was 10 of 14 from the floor. So that was a problem. Dealing with his short mid-range game, except for the fact he was 5 of 5 from 3. So again, the narrative wants to be, well, it's his mid-range game. He was 5 of 9 from 2. He was 5 of 5 from 3. And that's where I say the ball bounced a little funny last year. You kind of go back through the losses. We lose the second game of the year to them. We, we've gotten semi-used to this. We don't start great. Donovan shoots 6 of 23 in that game. So that's really what jumps out to me when I'm looking at this is Donovan shot 6 of 23 in that game the first time we matched up against Minnesota. And yet, then the storyline becomes, this is it's just kind of garbage, by the way. Then the storyline becomes, well, gosh, you play a stretch five against Rudy and, and he's not. Like, it's just flipping not true. The Rudy slander that the rest of the country likes to portray, to me, is just stunning. I I, I guess you, you have to be a really smart fan to understand how good Rudy Gobert is. And you have to, like, go beyond just highlights. And so it's, I guess you don't want to do it. 
So here's what's interesting last year is that Donovan scuffled against Josh Okogie. And Josh Okogie matches to the Lou Dortz and the Marcus Smarts of the world to give Donovan trouble. The, 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 the players that are equally as strong as Donovan, which is through the roof strong, and then, you know, have enough wiggle that he can't just now. Isaac Okoro is equally as strong, not experienced. Donovan torched. He got around him. He was overly aggressive. Some of the so Donovan last year in one game was one of seven when guarded by Josh Akogi was two of seven when guarded by Jared Cutler and was over four interestingly when guarded by D'Angelo Russell. Well, Josh Akogi doesn't play anymore. Jared Cutler they traded, so I would be stunned if Donovan has the same experience tonight. It's absolutely not. Uh, I, I don't think that I don't think we'll see that problem for Donovan in any way, shape, or form. The other one is we just had weird shooting nights against them. So Conley goes five of fifteen, and Ingles goes one of nine in the second game against them. Mike Conley has two threes to tie that game late, misses both of them. The next night we played them again. Two nights later, Boyan goes one of eleven. Conley hits a three to give us the lead, and then with four seconds left, D'Angelo Russell hits the game winner. And D'Angelo Russell gave us a fifth. He went 27. He had 27 and 12 on 10 of 16 shooting. He had 23 the game before. To me, I look back at this now, and I I just think it's second game of the year. They came balls of fire. Got us. We didn't shoot well. Our effective field goal percentage was 44%. We just shot badly. And then there's just some weird ball bounces. I just can't see it as something else. Now, tomorrow tonight's matchup is really interesting, and we're going to dig in. This Timberwolves team is is really interestingly different than what you'd anticipate. Um, Derek wants to know, is Hassan Whiteside out tonight? Um, he is still on the injured list, so we will see. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Are you, like, excited to see Rudy Gay play? Rudy Gay played so hard as the five the other night. Um, I'm curious to know whether the intention of that question is you want to see it again or whether or not you're hoping it's on Whiteside plays. Um, so it will be interesting. Um, see, Dustin says driving down from Connecticut to Philly tomorrow to see you guys, then down to DC jazz filled weekend. That's awesome. Hopefully, uh, Dustin Ackerman, we can say hi to each other. Uh, when we get a chance, uh, today's show is brought to you by intercap lending and, uh, Intercap Lending is a Utah-based company. It's a pretty good story. Josh Romney of the Romney family uh, took Intercap Lending to Utah. It's been in business for 40 years. It was kind of just a quiet company. And then they have just done such great customer service work that they continue to grow and grow and grow and add customers and let realtors want to use mortgage companies and lenders that get deals done. And that's what they do. When they first arrived, it was one branch. Then it went to 15. Their first year of it was 2018 and then 2019 or that they surpassed their revenue numbers by June. And the story just keeps going and going great community involvement too. I I've shared some of those stories. They do a lot of it quietly. Uh, where they've really gone into parts of our community and, and helped them, some refugee groups and some others that are really, it's just fabulous. And then there's Steve Carter, 
And Steve Carter's our guy. And yesterday it was the same story. I got an email from someone. Can you connect me to your lender? It was Steve Carter. And within minutes he'd responded and they were off to the races. Intercap lending, direct lender. They can do difficult loans. They can help with multiple properties. They can take a look at any loan. And we've got our own loan officer and Steve Carter. So give Steve a call at 385-800-8528. That's 385-800-8528. Or email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. And I'll send you over directly to Steve. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. And I, just if for might be new to the show, uh, I cannot speak highly enough about the customer service you'll get from steve carter i mean he really is through the roof so if you get the opportunity um i strongly suggest it another thing i strongly suggest is calm uh i use calm it is the number one app for sleep and meditation they have teamed up with lebron to help you activate the power of sleep when it comes to athletes tend to focus on physical fitness but there's the other side which is just important, mental fitness. Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation. Is teamed up with LeBron to help you train your mind, become a champion version of yourself. So I use, I can tell you all about LeBron, and you can check that out. I can just tell you that I use Calm. I really love meditation. Um, I don't do it as much as I should, which is every day I should do it, and like yesterday I just blew it off. It's bad. Um, they have the daily trip, which is with Jeff Warren, which I really, really enjoy. The 21 days with Jeff Warren is kind of what got me to pull the trigger and being fully into meditation. 21 days, how to learn to meditate. Strongly suggest that. And then they have the daily, the mindful daily with Tamara Levitt, which is just terrific. And then all sorts of good, diff, three different sleep things I use. I, I can just tell you I'm a user. I can tell you, uh, particularly with this silly brain of mine, there's nothing I enjoy more than those 10 minutes or 20 minutes. I always do 10 and then do another 10. Um, go to calm.com slash lockdown MBA for a limited time. Get 40% off Calm's premium subscription. Again, limited time, 40% discount. It's really cool. Check it out. Calm.com slash locked on MBA. I think, I really think, you know, you do you. But for me, and if you have anything like the brain that I have that doesn't stop where you have a lot of stress, to be able to control the focus and the mind and to be able to tell yourself when you want to think about things and not think about other things is kind of, kind of awesome. Um, so. There you go. Calm.com slash locked on NBA. Thank you very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Free and available on all platforms. I'd strongly suggest Locked On Bets as your second listen for the day. All right. Um, here's some interesting little notes about Minnesota. Um, they're not very good offensively, and they're really good defensively, which is not what you would think on a team with D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, and um, Anthony Edwards. The way they play defense, if we kind of keep our wits about us, space the floor correctly, I think we torch them. And this is like such a statement of how great the Jazz are. So they're the fourth best defensive team in the league. They're the ninth best team against the shot, which is really good. They're the worst defensive rebounding team in the league. They're the worst team at fouling in the league. What they do is force turnovers. And they, uh, right. Because we commit turnovers. Um, we're 24th in the league in taking care of turnovers. They send two to the ball at all times. At first, when I was Ron and I were watching them on the plane, our feeling was 
that they sent two to the ball only on Bradley Beal. We were watching the Washington game. And then as the day went on, we suddenly realized, no, that's not true. They sent two to the ball all the time. And it has caused teams crazy turnover problems. So early in the year, this is insane. Their first games of the year, they turned Houston over 25% of the time. They turned New Orleans over 29% of the time. They turned Houston over 20% of the time. They turned Denver over 19%. Orlando, 17 which is high, but not crazy. The Clippers, 21%. The Lakers, 22%. Sacramento, 22%. Even recently, they got Miami and New Orleans 22% of their turnovers. However... In the last five games, this has slowed down dramatically. They're right around league average on most nights, if not below. It's as though, okay, we got 20 games of film. We understand what you're doing, or the guys have gotten tired. This is the key to everything that they do, okay? When they turn you over more than less than 18% of the time, which is really, really high, by the way, So they're number one in the league at 17.5%. If they turn you over more than less than 18% of the time, they've only won four games all year. They are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Four and ten when they turn you over 18%, less than 18% of the time. When they turn you over 18% of the time, then it's a different story. Then then they are, whatever their record is, which I, of course, don't have right in front of me. I'm glad I just saw my notes. It's the one thing that's missing. Um, as I stall, embarrassingly. So they're 11 and 13 on the season. So they're 4 and 10 when it's under. They're 7 and 3 when they get you over 18%. So that's the test. Can we take care of the ball well enough to not fall into that trap and turn it over at that rate. If we do, we're going to get open looks because they double the ball every time. Our guards are small, so that's a problem. But once, if we can handle that problem, we're going to swing the ball, move it, and get wide open looks the entire game. Here's the other crazy one. They allow their opponents, the most corner threes in the league. This makes sense because they're trapping. They're doubling the ball. The other team that does this is Toronto. We had no problem with Toronto. The other team that does this is Portland. We had no problem with Portland. Miami does a little bit of this, but they do it better. So they allow 13% of their opponent shots to be corner threes. We take the most corner threes in the league. They've allowed eight or more corner threes, I think, eight times John Schumann had. And we take 13%. We could end up with 18, 19% of our shots as corner threes tonight. We'll win if that's the case. Unless we have another weird night against Minnesota where we just don't make shots. Here's a few other notes, though, on this one where this is a unique matchup. Uh They're the 28th, this is so weird to me, they're the 28th ranked half-court offense. Uh, 28th ranked half-court offense, and we're the 4th ranked half-court defense. But 
they spend the third least amount of time in the half court. So they get out and go. And we're gonna and we're the worst transition defense in the league. We're thirtieth in the league in transition defense. It's really what's preventing us from being a good defensive team right now. So that's going to be vital. But they, you know, so they turn you over the most and then they get out and run. And we're the worst in the league off turnovers defending. That's the bad script. The good script is they for, they play two on the ball. They try to force turnovers. We hold, we hold it together. We know it's coming. We're veteran. We're savvy. We have smart guards. We make the extra pass. We get wide open corner threes and we throttle them. That's... And then they're bringing the ball up the floor into our half-court defense. And then this whole thing about the fact that the Timberwolves beat us because we can't guard because Rudy and that bull crap goes away because we it's actually not true. So that's where this this is. That's everything in this game. Truly everything. Now, interesting is we're the number two half-court offense. They're the number three half-court defense. So it's not going to be easy for us to do that. They're not great in transition because Carl doesn't run the floor. The other one is... Carl Anthony Towns will make a player to a quarter that is not a winning play, and we have to take advantage of it. So against Washington, it was D'Angelo Russell, comes up the floor, takes a long three, uh, takes an early three, nothing wrong with it, good shot, early three, cats four feet behind the three-point line. When the shot goes up, you obviously just go back defensively and play transition. He decides to crash the board from 32 feet. Washington rebounds, throws the outlet for a slam dunk. We've got to be running the floor enough to take advantage of how poor he is in transition defense and how lack of attentive he is to possessions. Um, That's, you know, his weakness and his bugaboo, and we've got to take it. Uh, Russell, Beasley, Towns, and Novell are all questionable on the injured list. It's the exact same injured list they had last game. And in the last game, they uh, Towns played. Beverly and Russell didn't. There is some feeling on lockdown Wolves that Beverly is close. Russell had really been struggling on his ankle and was just playing so badly. I think they shut him down. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether we see Russell or not. That obviously would be a game changer uh, for who they are if they don't have D'Angelo Russell. Not so efficient, but just in total control of the game. All right, let's get a question here. Do you think that the rule changes have made the floater and mid-range a more efficient shot than it has been? Guys like Conley and DeRozan are having great points gained seasons without getting to the rim. It's a great question, Taylor. I'm reading Seth Partnow's book right now, and what he would really tell you is that what has actually happened is the Propensity for the three and the is has opened up the floor and allowed the mid-range to be a more important, more valuable shot by the best players in the game. And that what's really happened is that the players that when next time you hear someone complain about like the game and the old school, what we've really done is we've gotten the bad players to stop taking mid-range shots. And what we've really and and that is really an interesting piece. So the bad players have stopped taking mid-range shots. The good players now are the only ones that are taking mid-range shots. It's a pretty interesting concept. So if you actually look, I'm going to pull it up right now. Actually, let's do this when we come back. Uh, or let me let me pay a bill, and then it's going to be a little longer. And then we'll do the power zone rankings. It's a really great point, Taylor. So the concept, the thesis, we'll we'll see if it's true. The thesis is that 
what's happened is everyone can now shoot. Floor is spread. The best players in the world are the only ones playing in the mid-range. I actually think there's something to it. So we'll find out if it's true. I haven't checked it yet. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. If you go to Built.com with the promo code LOCK15, you get 15% off, and there's the brand-new Caramel Macchiato Bar. 100% really delicious. 100% real chocolate. 100% delicious. Right now, there's special flavors. Caramel Macchiato, Caramel Almond Delight, White Chocolate Cheesecake Puff, Paranormal Pumpkin Puff, and I'm telling you, Coconut Brownie Chunk. Can somebody in the chat room back up the Coconut Brownie Chunk phenomena that it is simply the greatest bar you could ever, protein bar you could ever have? It is insane. I keep ordering them and ordering them and ordering them because I'm scared they're going to be gone again. Coconut Brownie Chunk Locked 15, plus all the regular great flavors. You can mix and match. It's 130 calories. It's 2.5 fat grams. It's four net carbs. It's four sugars. And it's only 17, and it's 17 grams of protein while only being all those other little things. How outstanding is that? Today's show is also brought to you by betonline.ag, the best place out there. With the promo code locked on, you get a 50% welcome bonus. Pittsburgh at Minnesota tomorrow. Big one here. And the Vikings are a three-point favorite. They're still reeling from the loss to the Lions out here. Tonight, Jazz and the Wolves. My theory, by the way, is the Jazz will be favored by three or four in every game except for tomorrow night. Let's see. Am I right? Wow. We're an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Maybe that's because all those guys are questionable. Wow. How are we an eight-and-a-half-point favorite? That's a that's a little surprising to me. Um, Surprise the big night in the NBA. Indiana's in a rebuild. Do we want anyone on that roster? We'll take a look at it tomorrow. Uh, Cleveland is a three-point favorite over Chicago. That gives you a lot of legitimacy there. Washington plays Detroit tonight. They're a a five-and-a-half-point fave. The 76ers are also in a back-to-back. They're going up against Charlotte and a seven-point favorite, so we'll keep an eye on that. Um, Blazers are a a 14-and-a-half-point dog without any players against the Warriors. Hope C.J. McCollum's all right. And the Lakers last night blew out the Clippers until the end, but then still won it. What? Come on. Excuse me, the Celtics. Come on, Celtics. What were you doing last night? Come on. We need your help. BetOnline.ag. Tyler says it's flipping good. It really is. All right. Let's go look at this. Here are the players that take the most mid-range shots now. And they're all good at it. DeMar DeRozan has taken 194. He makes 47%. It's pretty good. It's 0.95 points per shot. Kevin Durant, second most at 56%. Paul George, third most. At, these are all long twos, 45%. Ingram, 42%. Booker, 46%. DeJounte Murray, 42%. Okay, I don't want Ingram and Murray shooting 42% long twos. Jason Tatum, 39. I don't want that. Anthony Davis, 39. Oh, shoot him all day, AD. Tyler Hero, 47. LaMarcus Aldridge, 58. Zach Levine, 45. Chris Paul, 55. Julius Randle, 30. Ugh. Trey Trey Young, 54%. Bradley Beal, 51%. Like, they're all all-stars. So it's absolutely true. Like, when people say, oh, the mid-range game is dead. No, what, what's dead is crappy shooters that aren't very good players being able to make plays and shooting mid-range twos. The other thing that's gone, what's really gone, 
and Seth really brings up a great point on this, is the unassisted, excuse me, the assisted two, long two. The assisted long two is gone. So you used to pass out to, to Carl Malone for a 17-footer. Like he's now popping to three. And that's, a, you know, frankly, a better game. It's more open, allows Chris Paul to manage, allows Devin Booker to manage. And so in that sense, the mid-range game is back. And all those numbers we just talked about, when you get into, like, if you're at one point of possession in the half court, it's pretty good. And so that matters. The in-the-paint non-restricted area is not as good a shot. The bigs get out there and bother. But here, Trey Young leads the league in that floater at 40%, floater zone. Then Durant's insane at 52. Then De'Aaron Fox at 43%. It's not a good shot. Valanchunas at 49. Moran at 44. DeRozan at 51. He's just crafty. Doncic at 53. Boy, did he, is he getting killed? Mer, DeJounte Murray at 39. Bradley Beal at 37. Shea Gilgis-Alexander at 39. So that floater, non-restricted area floater, still not a very good shot. 41%. Donovan's at 45. Conley's through the roof. Conley's like the best there is. This is still not a very good shot. In the paint, non-restricted area, you run into the big, you got to alter your shot, you don't get there. The best guys in the league are still not very good at it. Anthony Davis, 40. Tyler Hero, 41. Devin Booker's 47. Bam out of Bayou's 39. Keldon Johnson, San Antonio's taking a ton at 45. Donovan at 45. 45's like barely okay. Lamelo Ball's at 33. Franz Wagner's at 38. Tatum's at 35. Boy, Tatum's not been very efficient. Chris Paul's at 52. Jokic, 54. Okay. Darius Garland, 49. He's like little Mike Conley. Jordan Clarkson, 49. Okay? Take more of those. I feel like Jordan's played really well the last few games. I know he's frustrated still. You can see it on the floor. But I think he, I feel like he's actually played really, really well. All right, let's go human versus machine. Time for the NBA Power Rankings. NBA.com power rankings, ESPN power rankings. Where does it have people compared to where basketball reference and 538 have people? All right, Warriors hold on to the top spot in the power rankings of top eight. Um, and uh, Suns are number two. The Bucks are number three. I'm actually having a hard time that the Bucks aren't higher than this. Like, the Bucs have not lost when they have their guys. The Bucs are 8-5 and five this year without Antetokounmpo. That's kind of crazy. They're undefeated when they have Antetokounmpo, Holiday, and Middleton all in the lineup. Chicago is number four. Feels high to me. Feels like they've come back to life a little bit. Um, but... You know what? We just talked about what DeRozan does. There's only four players who shoot better than 50% on 20 clutch shots, and the Bulls have two of them, in DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, and they're shooting combined 97% from the free throw lines. Games 15 through 19 were the Bulls' worst five-game stretch of offense this season. So keep it. Jazz are at five. Here's what John Schumann, who does great work, 27 threes by the Jazz against Celtics were the fourth most in NBA history but not the most the Jazz have made in the calendar year. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, over the f- current four-game win streak, the Jazz have outscored opponents by 117 points. Mike Conley was on fire over the weekend. Jazz top-rated offense has eight December games against teams that are currently ranked in the top 10 defensively, and they've begun the month by scoring 128 points per 100 possessions against 
ones that were ranked ninth and third. For that reason, the Jazz have scored 3.5 more points per 100 possessions than any other team, 8.1 more than league average. That latter mark would be the third best differential in 26 seasons for which play-by-play data. Um, What's interesting about this, everyone, is that when you talk about the Jazz and the Warriors, the Jazz, you think of the Jazz as a defensive team because of Rudy Gobert. And you think of the Warriors as an offensive team because of Steph Curry. But really what's happening so far this season is that the Jazz are an offensive juggernaut and the Warriors are a defensive juggernaut. That's the truth of what's going on. And it's a really interesting concept. All right. Uh, Brooklyn's at six. Cleveland's at seven. Miami's at eight. Boston's at nine. And Philadelphia's at ten. So three Western Conference teams in the top th- three and seven Eastern Conference teams. But the Warriors at one, the Suns at two, and the Jazz at five. I would say we're better than the Bulls, but we lost to them. So how can I hold, keep saying that? Um, let's look at what ESPN says. Warriors one, Suns two, Nets three, Bulls four, Box five, Jazz six. Same kind of things. Jazz by far have the best offense. Donovan's averaging 30 points a game over the stretch. Miami seven, Washington eight. Philadelphia 9, and they have Memphis at 10, Boston 11. All right, let's go to our computer friends, and we'll start with basketball reference and then go to 538. So in basketball reference, they project the Utah Jazz to finish third in the West at 55 wins. I forgot to open the show today on what I wanted to talk about. Um. I'll close the show with it. They have the Warriors winning 63, the Suns winning 57, the Jazz winning 55, and Memphis winning 44. I mean, this is really this interesting thing. that They have a 97% chance that the Jazz are a 1, 2, or 3 seed. Unlikely to be the one the Warriors seem to be running away with that, according to basketball reference. Um, and maybe so. And most likely the 3, but kind of as the season plays out for the next 70, 60 games, it seems abundantly clear that we're going to be the one, two, or three. They have Memphis at four, Clippers at five, Denver at six. We'd have Denver in the first round. Minnesota, Dallas, the Lakers, and Portland in the play-in. Minnesota at seven, Dallas at eight, Lakers at nine, Portland at 10. And let's look at 538, and then I have one last little message I forgot to leave the show with. Ugh. So mad at myself. I, I literally have notes right here telling me to start the show with it. All right. In 538 as the Suns is the one seed, the Jazz is the two seed, and the Warriors is the three. They're not buying the Warriors yet. And then dropping all the way down, they still have the Nuggets at 45 wins. They have the Jazz, they have the Warriors at 54 and the Jazz at 45. There's just a huge gap. Then the Grizzlies. At 44, Mavericks at 43, Clippers at 42, Blazers at 41, Lakers at 38. Oh, that'd be so beautiful. The Bucks 
55 Nets, 76ers, Bulls, Hawks, Heat, Celtics. All right, this is what I wanted to open the show with. Right there in my notes. We are 68 and 27 in the last two years. 68 and 27. What a gift. How incredible is it to follow and root for a team that is 68 and 27 over the last two years? Incredible. Really should have led the show with that. Oops. So for those of you who stayed with it, 68 and 27. It's incredible. What a gift. Thank you to all involved. Have a great day. This is Locked on Jazz. Thanks for making us your first listen. Go make Locked on Bets your second listen of the day. Have a good one.